You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to the Munkinass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner! He scores! Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, Brian, thank you very much. And back to the show we go and more Cardinal baseball. We're all Cardinals today. This is an all Cardinals sports on a Sunday morning. And we have a game coming up in less than an hour, a noon pregame. Chris Raby will have it as the Cardinals, here they come, six and a half out in the wild card, taking on the Braves, the wild card leader at Bush Stadium. And now Chris visiting as we kick things off this hour with one of the great Cardinals from that season. Man, did they need this guy. Not only his bat, but his personality in the clubhouse was huge for them. Lance Berkman. Lance, great to have you with us, man. First of all, how's uh, how's everyone doing with uh, an odd last couple of weeks? And I know for baseball fans, a very odd opening day yesterday, if you can even call it that. Yeah, I don't know if it was an opening or not, but uh, for sure a strange, probably unprecedented, uh, maybe in the history of the game. So uh, everybody's good here. We're just kind of hunkered down and waiting to see what's next. So hopefully the season will start before too much longer, but we certainly want everybody to stay safe. So Hey, I saw you bouncing around uh, in Jupiter and, and in the West Palm area. Uh, what was it like and, and what is it like over the last couple of years Lance, to be able to, for instance, the Cardinals, be around the organization, work with some guys. You know, I was watching you and Harrison Bader by the cage, chat about stuff for a while. Uh, this time of year, even if you're a handful of years removed from playing, what do you still love about being at the ballpark? Well, I just I love the coaching and teaching aspect of it. I like to take my experience and the things that I was able to learn from other players and, and try to help the younger guys that are coming along and, and, you know, even some not so young guys, just the, the current guys that are, um, that are right in the middle of it. So I feel like, uh, after playing for a while, major league level, you know, you learn things through experience and also through talking with other guys and, uh, to be able to pass that along to the next generation is, is something that I really enjoy. In terms of transitioning from player to you know, coaching role, working with guys. Was there anything that surprised you? Anything you didn't expect or anything that, uh, I don't know, kind of snuck up on you? Because you're playing and, and doing one thing and preparing one way every day for decades, and then all of a sudden you're given a different perspective. Yeah, I think the biggest difference between playing and coaching is when you play, you're responsible for one person, and, and that's yourself. You know, you're, you've got to have yourself ready to, to go and ready to do your job and you know, as an example, like on a bunt play, if you're playing first base, you know, you know what you're supposed to do. You're not really worried about the other guys because they're going to do their job. And so when you go to to coach, especially when you're coaching a team, you're not coaching an individual skill like hitting or pitching. But when you're in charge of the whole team, you're worried about everything. And, and you, you know, you, you know it, but you have to remind yourself of it. So it's one of those deals like, okay, now i got to teach my third baseman what he's supposed to do in the middle infield, what they're supposed to do on a certain bump play, you know, that those are the kind of things where you go from being concerned about one person to being concerned about, you know, 20 or 30 guys and making sure that you're teaching them and you're really having to think through, you know, okay, you know, this is how 
we've all this is how I know that it's supposed to be done and so let me think like a shortstop or like a second baseman in positions that I'd never played before but you still have to be able to to teach that part of the game to the kids so uh, that's the biggest challenge for me is just being worried about more than just one person. Visiting with Lance Berkman on the Cardinals radio network. It's the 2011 Rewind. Let's rewind to December of 2010, Lance. And after the 2010 year and uh, the move over to the Yankees and the run you guys made in the postseason, what do you remember most about what was most appealing about the Cardinals, their pitch and uh, the chance to join the organization? Yeah, well, I just had such familiarity with the organization from the years of competing against the Cardinals uh, when I was playing with the Astros and had tremendous respect both for the organization and for a lot of the guys that were still on the team. And, you know, then there were guys like Matt Holliday and Adam Wainwright and Skip Schumacher and guys that I really liked, Yachty, uh, Molina, you know, just some really good, good human beings. And I thought it would be a great chance to get back after having a taste of the American League with the Yankees to get back in the National League and, and more familiar environs in the National League Central. And uh, just kind of wanted to see what the Cardinals organization was all about because I had I admired it from the other side and, and uh, had talked to several guys like Woody Williams that had played there. And he's a friend of mine. He's like, man, if you ever get a chance, you got to go play in St. Louis. It's incredible. So I really wanted to experience that. And I'm glad I did. Hey, you were obviously part of some incredible teams in Houston, but you know, the chance to win a world series and the chance to compete with the Yankees and then immediately with the Cardinals, uh, what's that like? What's that appeal? And how does that appeal change over the course of your career, Lance, because, you know, we hear it all the time in sports that you can't take it for granted. And, you know, just because a team looks like they might be a dynasty, anything can happen. After having tremendous success with the Astros, did your perception of success change uh, when you decided to join St. Louis? Well, not really. I think, um, you know, whenever the success comes from good leadership and it comes from having a good clubhouse and uh, things kind of breaking your way, like you referenced, you don't really know what's going to happen. And if you're trying to, handicap the race and figure out who's going to win the world series every year. Uh, you might as well with, with, obviously there's there, you could probably speak with some confidence, which teams are not going to be in competition to, to win the world series, but you look yeah, at, but there's a reason Vegas keeps building bigger casinos because he can't it, predict exactly. It. Well, and, and you know, the, the, the thing about it, you just want to give yourself a chance to be in the mix. And that's one thing that organizations like the Yankees, like the Cardinals, um, the Red Sox of recent uh, vintage, they've been able to be competitive and give themselves a good chance to win year in and year out. And, you know, the St. Louis organization, just top to bottom, is first class, first, uh, first-rate people that understand the importance of not just having good baseball players but having good human beings as part of the, the organization. And they've been able to sustain a winning culture. I mean, the, the Cardinals have 11 world championships, the most in the National League history. And uh, I think it's for good reason that they have that because just they, they have that winning tradition. And that's something that's really difficult to build and it takes a long time. And uh, so whenever you're looking for a place where you get to that stage in your career and you're like, okay, you know, I really would like to have an opportunity or another opportunity to win a World Series. We went in 05 with Houston, and you're looking at sort of the, you know, the, the landscape of free agency. Uh, your eyes are always going to turn towards those organizations that seem like year in and year out put themselves in a great position to have a chance to win the World Series. So the season starts, and, and you get off to a great start. And it's funny because looking up and down 
you know, the club, uh, I think that guys were having good years. And for whatever reason, you guys were above 500, but Milwaukee was playing great. Atlanta was playing great. Uh, what do you remember about the success and, and when the success collectively would come in spurts for you guys, but not really being able to make up much ground in the middle part of that season? How was that frustrating, but how was that maybe motivating also? Well, deals it seemed like the the parts were there and we could look around the clubhouse and recognize hey we've got we've got a lot of talent in here that for whatever reason it just hadn't quite come together uh, for us in a consistent run part of that was you know of course we lost adam wainwright before we even left spring training so there was some um you know there was some uh turnover in the starting rotation we're trying to get that figured out and I was, I'd come in there and there was a few new faces that had, had showed up that year. And so you're kind of, everybody's trying to figure out how to come together, how to gel. And, uh, it was frustrating. I remember being in the middle of the year and thinking, my goodness, you know, with the talent that we have on this ball club, we ought to, we ought to be a lot better than we are record, record wise. And, uh, you know, that was the bad news was we weren't where we felt like we should be, but the good news was we knew that we could get back there if we would just be able to put a run together we knew we had the guys that uh that could make that happen so um i just remember as we were entering into sort of that stretch run part that the beginning of august say we we felt like man you know we still have a chance to to do something special with this season and we recognize that um you know that that we've we've got to make it happen it's up to the players and i think that we traded for Rafael for call and kind of solidified our shortstop position. We got a couple of really key pieces in our bullpen. Um, we traded for Edwin Jackson, who helped us in, in the starting rotation. So they made, made a lot of uh, astute moves that year, right before the deadline, that really addressed some of the things that I think were were maybe holding us back from making that good run. Um, and and once it all came together for us, uh, we were you know people say well wild card or whatever, but I feel like we had the best team in the game at that point, you know, for that, that, that last month of the season and on into the postseason. Pretty amazing as we broadcast these games every night and I'm doing new live pregame and postgame shows and I'll give you a frame of reference. So this week on Monday, we started with the Pirates game on August 25th. It was the day after you guys got swept at home by the Dodgers. Wainwright spoke to a crowd at the Missouri Athletic Club said that he kind of saw this coming. And you guys won three or four from Pittsburgh. And now tonight is the first game of a three-game series last weekend of August when you guys were in Milwaukee and swept the Brewers. That last week in the divisional games, the way they stacked up in front of you, I guess not only the way you guys are playing, but the schedule, the way it laid out, played to your advantage as well. For sure. We had a big series against the Braves, who was the team that we ended up overtaking, you know, for the wild card spot that year. And I think, I believe we swept Swept four games. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, we had a four game set, which that to me was, I mean, we, we started, we kind of got it going and I'll, and I'll, you know, of course it's been referenced before, but after that Dodger series, when we got swept by them, that, that was the next thing that happened was when we had that sort of clubhouse beating and Chris Carpenter stood up and basically challenged everybody to, Hey, you know, let's, let's be professional. You know, let's come to the ballpark every day. Not that guys weren't, but just a reminder that no matter what, even though this thing's not going like we all want it to go, we're not going to lay down. We're not going to quit. Cause that was the low ebb at that point. We were 10 games out, I believe. And um, the, I think the fans had gotten frustrated with us. So we didn't, you know, there was like, it was sort of a half empty ballpark at that point. And, and it just was like, 
you know, if you were to pick a low ebb in the season, to me, right after that uh, Dodgers series, that was it. But then we got a little momentum with the Pirates. And like I say, then we go to Milwaukee and we sweep them. And then, you know, we, we had a four-game set with Atlanta. And I think we were six back at that point and ended up, you know, sweeping them and, and gaining four games in, in the matter of four days, which is it's huge, especially for your confidence. And, and going forward at that point, we knew we were in it and we knew we were going to have a, a chance all the way down to the last part of the season. So that was really, to me, the, the turning point. For that and that game. series airs today with the first game at noon coming up here, the Cardinals and the Braves from Bush Stadium 2011, six and a half behind the Braves in the wild card race. Thanks to Chris Raby with Lance Berkman, I'm Tom Ackerman, Jason Mott, right around the corner. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Great to have Jason Mott join us on the St. Louis Cardinals radio network as we rewind to the 2011 season. And Jason, I got to say congrats on your first save of 2011, you nailed down uh, the series win against the Pirates. That's the series we started the rewind with, the series that, that really, I think, started to catapult you into uh, what would become the rest of the season. Uh, yeah, no, I, I was actually, uh, I've seen, like I said, the tweets and stuff about it. I was actually going back and I actually listened to it last night. Uh, I was sitting there, we put the kids down. And right when I clicked on, it was like I was I was coming in. And I was like, "Ooh, it's kind of funny. It's, it's kind of cool. Like I'm kind of like listening to myself, and like I know, you know, I, I already know what happens." It's like, like a commercial for radio. Man. Right. Well done. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, you know, but but it, 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 it's a good time. And like, and like I said, that that series was 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 definitely a big one for us because you know we came off that I believe the uh, the Dodgers series before, right? Is yeah. That, that was before that we got you know what wasn't a pretty good series, and then you know that's that's about when we had our you know. And Carp pretty much set us all down, had a little talk with us, and was like, hey, I know we're ten and a half back, but we just need to go out there and just play the game we know we're capable of playing and go out there and leave it all out there, um, which is we're like, you know what? Well, we're, we're going to go out and do it, leave it all out there, and whatever happens, happens. Um, and like I said, you know, obviously looking back, we know what, what ended up happening that year. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, it's pretty cool, like I said, to start off with that, and that was kind of – kind of where the the whole the whole run kind of started so it's pretty cool you know what was thinking about that and was thinking about just sports comebacks and when teams turn corners and we never hear about the closed door players only meetings that happen and then the team goes 11 and 14 the rest of the way and misses the postseason right like we never talk about that meeting but that's because i guess you probably need a leadership group and a guy like Carp and the veterans on that team to know the clubhouse. So as you think back to the message and you just said, you know, you guys believed in it and believed in each other, uh, what does it take in, in a leader to be able to know how to push those buttons? Yeah, I mean, I, I think even with, when, when, when Carp kind of talked to us, I mean, I, I think you guys may have talked to him or like that, but he, he kind of went to Tony. I was like, listen, I want to, I want to talk to the guys. Um, and yes, don't I worry. Just, he he talked about the meeting, so don't worry yeah, about yeah, disclosing yeah. anything. So so he so, confirmed I mean, I mean, it finally on the record yeah, after all these years. Yeah, you, you you know so 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 you know it's one of those things. And uh, like I said, from from my standpoint, I I, I mean maybe we were thinking we were gonna come and win the whole thing, but like I said, at that point, I think we were just like we just weren't playing good baseball. And you were ten, you and know, a half I mean, back. ten and right, a half games like, with five right, weeks. I off. mean, right. I mean, it just we just weren't 
we just weren't playing good baseball. And I just remember, you know, just sitting in that meeting and hearing him talk. And it was just like, you know, we were, we're playing sloppy baseball. We're not, we're not playing up to our capability. Um, you know, these fans, you know, the best fans in baseball are coming out to watch us play. And we're putting that product out there. Like, you know, as a, as a, as a team, you know what I mean? It's like, that's, that's what we're going out and doing that. What we just did against the Dodgers, like, you know, nothing against Dodgers, but like we, we just weren't playing good baseball. And I just think we all took it as a, you know what, like, like, like I said before, we're going to go out there and we're just going to, we're going to give it everything we have. We're going to leave it all out there and whatever happens, happens. And it's heck, heck, if we end up 10 and a half games back when it's all said and done, Hey man, at least we went out there and did everything we could. We didn't go out there and continue to play sloppy baseball and whatever like that. But, you know, we just went out there and gave it everything we had. And, you know, our, our, the group of characters we had on that team kind of kept everything loose, whether it was good or bad. And I think like those guys that we had on that ball club that did keep everybody good and loose, kept us loose, even when we were behind. And then as we were getting closer to, you know, you know, getting closer in the ranks of coming back a couple of games, now we're nine and a half, now we're 10, or now we're, you know, eight, seven, six. We kind of kept the same clubhouse. I feel like we didn't, we didn't tighten up. We weren't like, oh man, we're getting close. It was just like, hey, you know what? Like we had guys doing the same funny, crazy stuff they're doing the whole year. Um, but we were just out there playing some better baseball. And, you know, we had, you know, Gerald Laird doing his stuff and Nick Punto and Terry O and, you know, everyone was, you know, like I said, all the guys, it was just a good group of guys and everyone stayed pretty loose and we were able to go out and, and do what we did. Funny thinking about that too, Jason, because apples and oranges, but I do think comparisons and maybe the ultimate comparison are you guys in last year's St. Louis Blues team. And while the Blues turned a corner and were in last place in January, uh, they say that everything stayed the same. And if anything, they started hanging out more on the road and going to more dinners and, uh, the coaching staff allowed them to do that because they thought it was important to spend time together and they were, you know, putting in the work and the results were showing. So, you know, people don't see it, but you guys have lives and you guys, you know, need to get along for 10 months consecutively, essentially. Yeah. So uh, how, you know, rare is it maybe to find that perfect mix of, of the clubhouse? I mean, I mean, for me, that it, it was the perfect storm. You know, I mean, everything kind of came together and, Except from a clubhouse standpoint, I don't feel like we did anything crazier. Um, but like I said, I, I, I do remember during that stretch, um, I don't remember a lot of the games so much as I do just like, like you said, like some of the some of the stuff like, hey, we're on the bus and someone's doing this. Or, hey, hey, you know what, we're going to go have, we're landing in, you know, this place. And we're going to go have a team dinner here and we're going to do this. And anyone just kind of hanging out and just, just being a group, being a team, uh, and everybody coming together. And I think that's really what helped us, um, you know, in general, the, that, like you said, even when Carb did have that talk, there was no one on the team like, oh, yeah, whatever, man. You know what I mean? Like, oh, everybody was like, no, you're right. Like, yeah, we need we need to step it up. And there was no egos. There was no whatever, whether you were the youngest guy on the team or you were the veteran. Everyone was kind of like, oh, yeah, hey, you know what? We need to step it up and – and, and do this. And I think everyone kind of came together even more then. And like you said, it was kind of a perfect storm. And um, like I said, it was fun. The stuff like I said that I remember during that stretch, during that five week stretch. Yeah. I kind of remember the games a little bit. I remember the last game in Houston. That was, you know, the one that was like, Oh man, like, you know, Hey, this is, this could legit happened. Um, but you know, other than that, um, like I said, I, I, I remember, like I said, just the guys just, you know, hanging out and, 
the dinners and the doing this and doing that and going over to this guy's house while we were at home and we had an off day to do this or, you know, someone having a thing at their house. And, you know, it was just stuff like that that was fun and kind of kept everyone loose to go out there and just say, let's go play the game that we've been playing for, I don't know, our entire lives. You know what I mean? Yeah. And let's, let's not make too much of it and let's just go out there and do what we can do and let's see what happens, you know, and that's, that's kind of the way I took it. Um, and uh, like I said, we were able to do what, what we did and it was, you know, pretty decent year. How much of that, Jason, had to do with Tony allowing the clubhouse to run the clubhouse? Because again, similar to the closed door meeting, uh, you don't necessarily uh, see the guy that's flipping tables every three days or whatever, you know, having the same or the desired impact. So how would you describe Tony, you know, his staff, how their temperament was consistent as you guys, again, were maybe frustrated, but also really encouraged that your best baseball could be in front of you? Uh, Yeah. I mean, it it was, it was, it was kind of crazy, you know, and, and, and during that time, Tony was there. Uh, and I think Tony had kind of self figured out that he was like, Hey, this is going to be it. Yeah, he kind, of, he he kind of pulled a fast one on everyone, huh? Right. Right. You know, and, and he did that, but even with that, like dunk was kind of, he was dealing with some of his own stuff with his wife at the time. And he was there, but not really there. And it was one of those things, you know, dunk, dunk was, you know, he was always even keeled the whole time. It didn't matter. Good, bad. Like, I'm not sure if I ever knew him to raise his voice, you know, and he was kind of very even keel. Um, whenever he was there, whether we were good, bad, whatever, he was always good. Sit down, talk to guys. Hey, let's go over this. Let's go over that. Um, but as far as like the clubhouse guys and stuff like that, like, I mean, Tony kind of trusted those veterans in that clubhouse. And I think when, when Carbon, whoever went to be like, Hey, we want to have a talk with guys. He's like, yeah. Like, you know, Hey, I trust you guys. You know, Tony, I won't say loved his veterans, but you know, he, he, he liked those veteran guys. He wanted those guys to be there for that leadership to be able to do that so he could worry about and I don't, I don't want to say worry about because I don't really think Tony worried about the game but he could go out there and manage the game he can go out there and manage hey who he's going to bring in what's going to happen ABC boom 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 checking his you know his pawns and his rooks and you know he's got all his chess pieces ready to go for the game and he didn't need to worry about the clubhouse and this and that and oh man is this going on in there oh are these guys okay he was trying to go out there and play the game um, and so, you know, I think having those veterans in that clubhouse, like we had, um, was huge for us because like I said, it was a sense of us being like, you know what, we're going to listen to these guys cause they know what they're talking about, do whatever. But we also trusted those guys. And I mean, I wasn't, I think I'd had, I came up in 08. So I had a full season in 2009, 2010. So I had just over two years, two and a half years when all this was going on. So I wasn't a veteran by any means, you know what I mean? You know, those older guys trusted some of the younger guys. The younger guys, we obviously trusted them. Everyone trusted each other, and we, we had each other's back no matter what it was. Um, no matter what the situation was, we knew that this guy was going to go out and get the job done. If that guy didn't, the next guy is. And that's kind of, I mean, if you look at coming down the stretch, but if you look at, you know, even those World Series games, you know, like one guy stepped up, another guy stepped up, another guy, you know I mean? It was just one guy after another just going out there and doing his job to go out there and get us those wins. You know what I mean? There was, I mean, yes, there were, there were guys that had insane postseasons this now, but it was like one guy after another that, that went out there and, you know, Hey, you know what? It's my turn. I'm going to step up, do my job. 
boom. And it was, uh, like I said, it was pretty, pretty cool to, to watch and be a part of. That is Jason Mott. I'm Tom Ackerman. Thanks to Chris Raby for that interview. When we come back, John Mosellock, Cardinals president of baseball operations on sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Lindbergh on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday morning. Always great to chat with the president of baseball operations for the St. Louis Cardinals, John Mosellock. John, thank you again for taking the time on these Sunday mornings to keep that connection going between our fans and the ball club. Well, good morning, Tom. Uh, obviously, uh, not our normal chats, but uh, certainly glad we could connect and, and uh, you know, talking a little baseball, even if it's uh, looking in the rearview mirror, isn't always the worst thing in the world. No, that's true. And we've had some fun with the 2011 season. I want to ask you about that in just a bit, because uh, this hour we already heard from Lance Berkman and Jason Mott, two big pieces of that world championship team. Jake Westbrook is on the way. We had a good hour last hour with Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager. Uh, but from a news standpoint, if there's anything that you can pass along, and I know that you had a conference call, a Zoom conference. It seems like we have, you know, four or five Zoom meetings a day, don't we? Uh, but you had that with the media. How did that turn out? How did that work? I know that you passed along some info, just uh, some house cleaning and some uh, info about the club during that meeting. Well, obviously, uh, we hadn't really connected in our you know, sort of traditional scrum or press conference in, geez, it must have been about two and a half weeks. And so given the fact that it was supposed to be our opening day, I thought it would be nice just to reconnect with everybody. And, and we did use that uh, Zoom format, which I thought was nice because at least you could, you know, put uh, see people's faces and, and, and reconnect that way. Um Obviously, it's 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 hard to to have these sort of open discussions because everybody's looking for answers, and and you know, unfortunately, we we still really don't have a lot to share. Not only from a, a cardinal standpoint, but really even from an industry standpoint on on sort of what that next chapter might look like. And you know, I can obviously sense some frustration, but. You know, the reality is is we're all having to, to sort of adjust to this new normal, and, and we're also all having to accept some level of patience as we as we go through this, as we learn more. And, you know, my hope of, of just touching base with, with our local media was, was more just for that connection. And um, I think I'm going to try to do that at least uh, once a week or at worst uh, bimonthly in the short term. Uh, even if I don't have much to say, at least uh, we have that connection. One thing you and I talked about last week was that, you know, we all in this business have to plan for the next step. We have no idea when that step is, and we're not in the business of guessing either. But uh, we are in the planning stages. So in case something does happen uh, with our game, we're ready to go, right? Yeah, and I do think, like, on the baseball side, everybody's sort of asking, like, well, what what should – what should pitchers be doing? What should position players be doing? And you first off have to understand it's 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 far from normal. It's not like these guys can all meet up somewhere or on their own go to a field and and take BP. And you know there's there's so many restrictions out there right now. So what we're trying to do is is really try to treat this as almost like early January for our players, where they're getting their bodies moving. In this particular case, when spring training ended, it's really just keeping their bodies going. So whatever they can do from their home 
from a conditioning standpoint, from a physical training standpoint, we want them to do, but we want them to do it at, at a pace that that is logical because given the fact that we don't know when we're going to start up again, we don't want them going too hard yet. Um, we certainly believe that whenever we do get the green light to go, we understand you're going to have to ramp up pretty quick. But having said that, we just don't want to um, use up a, a lot of energy right now when we know um, we're not playing in the next few weeks. This is John Mosellock, the Cardinals president of baseball operations. Uh, Jake Westbrook is going to be on the show after us. He's coming up here at 1145. And that was a trade that you made. It was a three-team deal involving the Indians and the Padres. As it turned out, Corey Kluber was in that trade from San Diego to Cleveland. But uh, Jake Westbrook was a huge acquisition, wasn't it? I mean, summer of 2010. And how big was he in 2011? How big? He ended up being the game-winning pitcher in that uh, game six, the famous David Freeze home run. Yeah, so so first off, tell uh, Jake hi for me. Um, Westy was always a really good guy and, and uh, you know, fit into our clubhouse uh, perfectly. But when I think back to that deal, you know, we were looking at, at trying to find someone that could give us innings um, and, and someone that was we'd have some control over. And so at the time, Ryan Ludwig was, was someone that we felt like we didn't think we could sign him long term, so we felt like if if there was the ability to to do a deal, it would make sense for us, especially if we were getting the arm. And when you think back to that club, I mean, we felt like we had some offense already, so it was really about just trying to secure a, a, a good pitcher, a quality pitcher, and someone that we could really count on. And and obviously, Westy did that for us. You could always count on Bob Gibson, and I'm not sure if you saw the story yet from the Post-Dispatch, but Rick Hummel has a wonderful story on the front page that basically says this. Bob Gibson is pain-free. Uh, he would have been at this year's home opener, he says. He's still receiving treatment for cancer, but he is as tough as they come, John Mosellock, and the 84-year-old is hanging in there in Omaha. Yeah, obviously it was it was great to read and 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 hear. I think uh um incredible story. Uh, certainly appreciate waking up to read that today. Um obviously put a smile on anyone's face who did get the opportunity to read that and it's just great news. You know, clearly when that diagnosis came down, it was it's, it wasn't anything anyone wanted to hear, but you know, Gibby's tough, Gibby's resilient. And more importantly, he's obviously got the right support and, and the treatment that he's doing is working. And, and that's that's just wonderful news for all of us. And finally, how are things for you personally? How's the family? Family's doing well. I think, uh, like everybody, we're, we're trying to adjust to our, our version of what the new normal looks like. And, you know, I do think with weather improving, you know, at least getting able to go out for walks, um, I think uh, our dogs appreciate this environment because they see a lot of us more. Um, but, you know, overall, everything's great. And, um, you know, from, from our perspective, we're lucky and, and we know that. And so grateful for what we have. My dog is absolutely wiped out by the end of the day. He's gotten more activity than ever. <laughs> Isn't that true? I mean, I think, like, the pets are just loving this. So um, there's always that, that, that silver lining. Great to talk to you as always. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks, Tom. You well. There's John Mosellock, Cardinals president of baseball operations, back in a moment on KMOX. 
Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Radio Network, you know, we're replaying uh, the 2011 season, Jake. We talked with Carp about uh, a meeting that you guys had in the clubhouse. You had lost 10 of 15. What do you remember about the end of August, about the struggles you guys were having, but still the belief in, in that room that, despite the fact that you were running out of runways, so to speak, you, you could still do something special. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, nobody puts any more expectations on us than we did. So, um, you know, what, everything that we were experiencing and the downtimes uh, uh, that we were, we were having, you know, we, we still felt like we had a great ball club and we were a good team. It was just a matter of finding that time to, to click and get going. And, uh, you know, that meeting was something we needed. You know, it's something that was kind of kind of kickstart our our run and and uh it was a lot of fun i mean it was it was you know it was kind of i mean the grind of august and september anyways is uh it is what it is you know it's uh it's towards the end of the season guys are tired you know things are going on and uh you just had to grind through it and we just we just had to figure out a way to do that at some point i'm sure you can drive yourself crazy doing scoreboard watching and, and looking at the math but to right. some extent how are you able to either block that out or, or use that because Again, you're talking about a double-digit deficit, and you've got four, five weeks left in the season. Mathematically, that's just quite the task. It is. I mean, I think the biggest part about it is not try to look too far ahead, um, and that's kind of what the meeting to me was about. Was like, you know, concentrating and focus on what we have to do. Each individual person, you know, whether I'm starting, it's my day. Whether Carp starting, Wayno starting, or whether you know you got Holiday and Berkman and and those guys in the box, you know, doing what you can do individually. Uh, when it's your time to do it, and not trying to think about too much, and, and you know, I can't, I can't win four ball games in one start. So, um, just focusing on my start and doing the things that I was capable of doing, and going out there and grinding and relying on my teammates. And um, at the end of it all, if we do that and really focus on that, each individual person focuses on that, and that day's ball game. That in the, in the end, we felt like we were good enough that we were going to come back. You've been in a lot of clubhouses, Jake, and I imagine there's a fine line between, you know having a meeting like that, and, and we hear it in the media all the time, closed-door meeting or players-only meeting. We don't hear about it when it doesn't work. And right. if you try to do that all the time, you're going to be kind of preaching to deaf ears, I imagine. So what does it take and what kind of leadership does it take? What did it take for Tony to allow the clubhouse to manage itself? And what do you remember about just the character of that clubhouse? Well, I mean, you got guys like you know, you got Chris Carpenter. I mean, you guys got, got guys like Lance Berkman who, you know, you – you know, you look at a veteran guys, but yeah, you know, they've accomplished so much. So their 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 voice and what they have to say carries a lot more weight than say somebody that you know doesn't have hasn't had their success or is a younger guy. So when you get those guys talking to you, you have to, I mean, you have to really take it to heart and listen to it because you know they've experienced a lot and they've gone through a lot and they've gone through the good times and the bad times. So I mean, listen to those guys come up and talk and and, and talk about things. Um, you know, really meant a lot to us, and I think a lot of the, the younger guys took it to heart and kind of we just ran with it. You were a big part of uh, the success in, in turning the page to September and the divisional success. And man, we just played the game against the Brewers. You guys won eight three. You got the win, and you also hit the grand slam. <laughs> the only big league home run. Were you like lobbying Tony to let you pinch hit after that? No, heck no, no, not at all. No, it was uh, kind of a. That was why it was so funny um, watching me smile all the way around the bases, and then seeing all the, the three guys that were on base, 
And then dugout was pretty much in awe that I even actually made contact, much less hit a home run. So um, I wasn't the greatest hitter. I enjoyed trying, but I wasn't uh, – I didn't pride myself on being a great hitter. Uh, I tried to pride myself on being a good bunter and things like that, the things that, you know, I was felt like I was capable of doing. But as far as hitting – Hitting a baseball in the big leagues is not easy to do. So, um, no, I was not lobbying to be a hitter. Albert hit a grand slam the next day. Were you like, hey, it's about time, man? Uh, well, yeah, it's like, they I mean, shoot, if I can do it, <laughs> why, why aren't you all doing it? <laughs> that lineup, Jake, and you already mentioned guys on the pitching staff, but Albert and Dav, Lance Berkman, and, and Matt Holliday, just the kind of, of hitters, the kind of boppers that you guys had, what was that like? And as a pitcher, what was it like uh, on the days that you weren't out there on the mound competing to watch them and watch how, how they approached it every day? Well, I mean, I think, I think I, I'm kind of uh, spoiled to, um, to have had, uh, you know, Albert uh, on my team to be able to experience that day in and day out as uh, arguably one of probably one of the best hitters of all time um, to, to be able to experience that and see how he went about his business um, was something really special for me. And to see how kind of his leadership and, and uh, just kind of his calmness, really, about, you know, we're going to be fine, we're going to do this, and, and just the, his day out, day in and day out routine of um, what, it's, what it's like to be a great hitter, just to see that. And, uh, and then, then you got Holly, uh, you, know, you know, Matty doing his thing, and, and Lance, and just being funny and being a great clubhouse guy. And, um, and it was just, uh, it was fun to watch. Uh, obviously, when I'm pitching, I'm kind of kind of locked in on that, and hopefully, you know, hopefully they score some runs, which they did a lot for me. And um, but just the day in and day out, those guys. To me, the hardest thing is it's because for as a starting pitcher, man, you only, I only threw once every five days. The grind of being a position player, I don't know how those guys did it, day in and day out for 162 ball games. I mean, that's that's something that's that's pretty cool and. It takes a takes a fine athlete to be able to do that. We do have Cardinal baseball coming up here at noon. Chris Raby has the pregame. The Cardinals six and a half games out in the wild card, trailing the Braves. And here are the Braves at Bush Stadium on September 9th, 2011. Six and a half up on a surging Cardinals team. It's Edwin Jackson making the start for the Cardinals this afternoon. Hope you enjoy a little comfort of the sounds of baseball once again on KMOX Radio, the Cardinals and the Atlanta Braves. Thanks to Mike Schilt, John Mosellock, Jake Westbrook right there, Lance Berkman and Jason Mott, Chris Raby, of course, our producer, James O'Sullivan. I'm Tom Ackerman. We will have Cardinals baseball right around the corner. You can always listen to this once again on our Rewind feature on the Radio.com app, Sports on a Sunday Morning Podcast on KMOX.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.